Let's praise him. Number 158. Rock of my salvation.
Olivet Church in Robbinsdale. We our opening hymn is Now We Thank All Our God in honor of the birthday of Janet Northbelt, number 102 in the Purple Book.
to you. Uh, the new um, purchasers of our church to gathering. Caddy is away for a while, and her father is um, filling the pulpit. And so we pray for the gathering. Chris, I checked with Chris this morning. Talked with Marie last night, and she's um, coming along quite well with a physician. She's been, I think, in the ER almost three times in the last couple of weeks. Yes. And the physician suggested that she needs some care. If you want to look back, that's that young fellow back there with the bulb. That's Abby's father. We just wanted to pray for you. Very few times is there just kind of a lateral move of preachers capable of father taught daughter well. Marie brings greetings and she's not single today. I'm single. I don't know if anybody would like to call her and see if she'd like to tune in with us today. This has been kind of a difficult week in some ways. We just want to take a bath down in the church basement. We came and it sounded like somebody left a stool going with us. I walked down the steps, I could just hear water pouring down. The walls, we spent a great deal of time kind of cleaning up the church basement. Kind of interesting going, owning the church, kind of renting out the church, and we still prize the significance that we find in, in worship. Although we share, share all of it with. Jay Hobbin. We didn't really know exactly how to break it in the news because I wanted that Wendy to kind of share one-on-one with the uh, gathering. It was a little difficult for Jay Hobbin to remain and the difficulties not only lie in the amount of money in the room they need. So Jay Hobbin's going to be leading us after the first of the year. I guess it's in many ways we're fortunate to be able to sell the church the gathering because we certainly, well, I feel kind of bad know, because had we kept the church, we would probably maintain that relationship with Jayhawk. Without Jayhawk, it's going to be a significant price difference, so we just hope and pray that Jayhawk will be able to find another place of location. We had such a wonderful ministry with Jayhawk. You know, if you've listened to even fake news this, this week, you've probably acquired an understanding of prophetic times and tremendous prophetic events that are, that are happening in the world. I was just about ready to change my sermon to align with what in Scripture prophetic events that occurred, but Chris and I, we tried to get bulletin done Monday and Tuesday, so it's in the hands of those who requested bulletins, the outlines with Mike and another form of Scripture. I know he's prepared within me just a hours ago. Mike could answer if he could kind of share you know, parallel events that are going on in prophecy. And I said, you know, I was just uh, kind of changed. I didn't want to step on your feet because we prepared both in the outline and scripture. But Mike is going to be sharing more on prophetic events than scripture maybe find through sharing scripture. Too. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we just are so gracious and thankful today, Lord, that you're, you're a God that just meets and ministers to all our needs. And we, we know of the numerous prayer requests that are found in our bulletins, Lord, as we uplift Joel Thompson, and we thank you for Mike Thompson, Thompson brothers who are blessed us through the 
presence and pray that you continue to bless my goal, especially in his recuperation, that he certainly may listen to doctor's orders and recuperation. Pray for Margaret Pearson as she's recuperating from shingles and ongoing situation that presents him. We also pray, Father, for Peterson family as we highlighted the funeral celebration and we look forward to the celebration of life with Janet. We ask the Lord that you would minister to us today in these very perplexing times that we live in. We ask the Lord that you bring favor upon us. We pray for the celebration of life service of Janet Peterson held on Thursday, October 19th at the Plymouth Community Center. Visitation will be at 10 and a service at 11 with lunch following. Continue to pray for Marie Wade, Joel Thompson, Margaret Pearson, and Lisa, Mike's sister, numerous other known and unknown prayer requests, Lord. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would move in our hearts and our lives today, and we ask that with a prophetic foresight, Jesus predicted in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke 21 such days as these. Jesus said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places according to Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. Then Jesus warned the Christians, warned you and I, that they will deliver you up to tribulation, and they will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. And then Jesus also sternly warned that because iniquity, that's lawlessness, even in higher places, will abound, the love of many Christians, many so-called Christians, will wax cold. They'll run from the truth. But then Jesus cautioned, take heed. Lord, help us today to take heed. Say it with me. Take heed. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed. Down with rousing and partying and going to establishments and ignoring the spirit and presence of God. Drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. Who will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but we are to watch. Say it, we watch. Watch. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that they will come to pass, to stand before the Son of Man. Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36. Lord, the tragic days in which we are living do, do not take Christians prophetic, biblical Christians by surprise that the reason so many professing Christians are worried and wrangling their hands and crying, what shall we do, what shall we do, is because they have neglected the study of their Bibles, prophetic. They've listened to liberal professors and Bible readers and readers and lecturers and literalness, the fake news. They have spent more time watching the latest fake news and progressive programming or reading their newspapers and they have reading their Bibles. They have neglected the spiritual services that lead to growth and solidarity in Christ. We do pray for those by way of television and radio and other forms.
forums and Facebook and chats and many particularly meeting and reading and following us. Therefore, they are caught up guard by these swift moving events. And may we not be caught up guard by these swift moving events. The Bible alone we can dry up. The Spirit alone we blow up. But when we read the Bible and we ask God's Spirit to inspire us, the Bible and the Spirit we grow up. And we need to grow up. There's a moving of the Spirit of God. And the issue and true spiritual awakening must take place if we are to be spared the storms that are gathering on the horizon today. We need to come to Christ. We need to repent for our sins and we need to receive Jesus as our Savior. Your life, my life, the lives of others can be changed and our souls can be saved. And there can be a, a new joy and a new peace in our life, a whole new dimension of living. We ask the question that we need to be asked. Are we, are we willing to receive Christ today on Christ's terms? Not on our terms, but on Christ's terms. According to the Bible and Scripture, Tradition, reason, and experience. Teach us to pray as you taught your earlier followers to pray. Saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture readings continuation of previous Sunday, Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. And I'd like to ask if there's anybody that would like to um, share that scripture. We'd like to open up the pulpit here. Do I see any volunteers that would like to share? Reading God's Word. Okay, scriptures from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. But one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they, and where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, would you please stand with me? Father, we want to stand on your word. As we stand on your word, we consider our friends in Christ. This vile, vile anti-Semitism would be disgustingly coming from this radical Islamic mullahs of Quran who hate Israel and the Jewish people, but... That probably wouldn't be surprising. This wicked anti-Semitism would be disheartening coming from a Jew-hating terroristic organization like Hamas or Hasselhoff, but it wouldn't be surprising. But the anti-Semitism that we need to be aware of is about us today is, is shocking and disturbing and dangerous and surprising because it's coming from Washington, D.C., the liberal media is doing their best to keep this information quiet. God's word reminds us that those who bless Israel should be blessed and those who curse Israel shall be cursed. Most people have no idea what is happening behind the scenes of Washington. 
it's a major threat, but it, it's, it's been a silent one. It's, it's time for that to change. In fact, 25 members of the House of Representatives have signed as sponsors on a bill that is to direct attack, a direct attack on the security and safety of the Jewish people, as well as a demonic attempt to slander and falsely accuse Israel of war crimes. This proposal, this bill is H.R. 2407, 2407, and it must not become law. As supporters of the Bible, supporters of the prayer team, we're not necessarily considered to be always political organization, but a prayer movement. But if our nation were to curse Israel in this way, the results would be devastating. Our children and our grandchildren live in this country, and I don't want them to live in a land where the wrath of God is being poured out in, in righteous judgment. And that is exactly what would happen if this law were to be passed. People often talk about the, the blessing. They talk about the blessing and the, of God and the promised Abrahamic covenant to provide for those who bless his descendants. That promise is true when you and I have seen it fulfilled in our lives time and time again as we live in this prosperous country. But the other part of that promise is true as well in, in Hebrews. It says that God will inflict heavy blows on those who curse his chosen people. This ridiculous bill falsely accuses Israel of war crimes. One of the main sponsors is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, AOC, who said she considers Zionism to be racism. She calls the detention centers Israel uses to arrest Palestinian terrorist concentration camps. She says that the Palestinians have no option but to riot. This bill would block U.S. assistance to Israel, a vital spent equipping and training terrorist proxies, unless. Israel stops arresting children. Now here's the problem. When they say children, they define those that are growing up to 17 years of age. Many 16-year-olds join Hamas and Hasselhoff at much earlier ages of indoctrination and full-time soldiers. Yet under this bill, Israel would not be able to arrest or question these fighters because of their age. What other nonsense. We've... Pray, Lord, that you give us the discernment of the times that we live in. We acknowledge our dependence upon the Lord. We stand in your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. This time, when you guys see. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Our Bible says that the end of the world comes, Christ returns, centers around one city. That is not a big, huge metropolitan area like Los Angeles or Paris or New York. It's a little tiny town in a tiny country, Israel. Israel is about 73.5% Jewish. Another 21% of the population there are Arab or uh, other religions. But how small is Israel? 263 miles long, at its widest point to 71 miles, and at its narrowest point 
going up and down to six. Pretty small. Zechariah 12, verse 2 and 4, God says, On that day I will make Jerusalem a cup of reeling to all the peoples round about. They go against Israel in the siege against Jerusalem. On that day I'll make a I'll make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all peoples. All who lift it shall grievously hurt themselves. And all, and all the nations of the earth shall come against it. In other words, those who will go against Israel and Jerusalem will hurt themselves. And uh, the Bible says that in the end times Israel will be scattered and regathered. The regathering happened on May 14th, 1948, where Israel became a country again. In Ezekiel 38, verse 15, 16, and 18, God and Magog go against Israel. Those two are mentioned in uh, four biblical books, God and Magog. Genesis, 1 Chronicles, Ezekiel in the Old Testament, and finally in the book of Revelation in, in the New Testament. The prophecy says of God, you will come from your place of far north, you and the people with you, of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come against my people, Israel, like cloud, to cover the land. You will be in the latter days. Verse 20 says, God's fury comes up to his face for going against Israel. The result of this is in verse 22. God, bring God brings God to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. For the attacks on God's people, that's what they get. A large number of catastrophic consequences for going against Israel. In Ezekiel's next chapter, 39, the destruction falls upon God, God and his forces when they go up against Israel. Verse 6 mentions Magog again. And I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. This comes in addition to what happens to God. Consequences in verse 22 of chapter 38. The names God and Magog appear in both uh, the Bible and the Quran. God and Magog represent the godless nations of the world. My study reveals to me that Magog is a, is a land and God may be the leader of Magog, the godless country. They are mentioned together in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 and 9. God tries to band the earth together after the millennium in rebellion against God. Gog and Magog are both ultimately destroyed and cast into the lake of fire for all eternity by God. Hallelujah. God warns us biblically of the terrible results of sin. He wants to know that God, through his righteousness, will triumph over evil. In the end, all evil in God's enemy will be destroyed and ended forever. God desires to live our lives each day as, with, as if we were with him in the camp of the saints, not in the camp of evil, God and Magog. And something I thought about Israel's reaction to the horrible, horrific, gross, terrible, catastrophic things that happened to them, they may return for vengeance. And that return will get people 
upset Israel for, for retaliating for what has happened to them. And I think that's a good description of what could happen. I know it's this time, but that's probably what's going to happen. Israel's going to get... Uh, bad things are going to happen to Israel by, by somebody, and then Israel's going to retaliate, retaliate, and then the world will rule against Israel. Tell them their retaliation is evil and uncalled for. But it's obviously not. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. John says that um, those who are in heaven, as Scripture reminds us, are clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Again, who are these clothed in white robes, and where, where and have they come? These are they that will come out of the great tribulation, that have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, according to Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Now, who are in heaven? Now, this is some symbolic language here. The white robes represent the fact that these people have accepted Christ as, as their Savior. They confessed their sins, they took their souls to Christ, who washed them clean. The white robes mean that these people have been cleansed of sin and are now in a state of purity and perfection. It is not a righteousness of their own, but one that's given to them by Christ. When these people were on earth, they were remembered as people of the church, the body of Christ, the church. They publicly confessed Christ. They were cleansed through baptism and the Lord's Supper. They lived for Christ and they died in Christ. And these people in, in heaven were Christians. They were Christians on earth. Now, what does this mean for us still on earth? It should remind us that we do not go to heaven automatically. Automatically. Just because we happen to be human beings, it is true that we have an immortal soul. An immortal soul. But this soul can spend eternity in heaven or hell. Immortality merely means quantity of existence, but it can be a, a miserable, a miserable experience. Eternal life is a gift of Christ to those who love Jesus. Outside of Christ, there's no eternal life. To be sure you are going to heaven, you must be certain of a right relationship with Jesus Christ while on earth. Moreover, it, it tells us that no one, no one gets into heaven because they are naturally good, or they've done good deeds, because we believe in our fallen natures are the origin of sin. Those in heaven are washed their dirty robes of sin and the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb. They come as sinners, and they were cured of sin by the tender mercies of God in Jesus Christ. Now, it's a, it's a very false comfort to say, I am sure that so-and-so is in heaven, 
because they were such a good, good person. Good people do not go to heaven. Only the bad and people who have repented and, and have washed their robes in Christ get to heaven. Heaven is not a reward to those who, who have lived a good life or who have done good deeds on earth. The fact is that Jesus came for an express purpose to save us all. For God so loved the world that he gave us only God's Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish by everlasting life. And the fact is that no one is good enough to come into the presence of Christ. Even the best of us must repent. Repent. And come to Christ for cleansing. They who by faith have come to Christ just as they are with all their sins will not be cast out but will be cleansed. Cleansed by the purifying power of the love of Jesus Christ. There is this symbol, the symbol of victory. Those in heaven do not only wear white robes, but they hold palm branches. The palm branch is a symbol of, of victory. This is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Scripture reminds us. These people had faith while on earth. By faith, they overcame obstacles in their paths. By faith, they were victorious. Victorious in defeating death in the grave. Their presence in heaven is proof of the fact that they, by faith, won a place. A place in heaven. Now we see why Jesus said, Jesus said these words, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. It is not enough to be baptized in the faith of Christ. It's not enough to mumble a few words, to confess both faith as a youth in confirmation. It does not matter if you had faith for the last 50 years of your life. What does count is whether you died in the faith. Whether you died in the faith. What, what does count is whether you died in the faith. If you died with your boots of faith on, it matters if you died working in and with your faith. Those who die believing in Christ are at once received and transferred to the eternal kingdom. The eternal kingdom where Christ is in heaven. heaven. Another point of information, what are the dead in Christ doing? What are the dead in Christ doing? John says, therefore, they are before the throne of God. And they serve God day and night within his temple, according to Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. What are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing in heaven? They are worshiping before the throne of God. This means that they are in the presence of God and have, have a vision, a vision of Christ. To have a vision means to learn something new. Learn something new. Heaven is a place where there is continual, continual learning. On earth we see through a glass darkly, the scripture reminds us. But then we shall see face to face, through Corinthians 13. As St. Paul said, now we know in part, but then we shall know even as we are known. There are so many things we would like to know. There are presently no answers to many of our questions. We want to know why evil exists. We would like to understand why some ridiculous and apparent unjust things take place. 
Now no one can tell us, but in heaven we shall know and we shall understand. We shall find the answers to our questions, our many questions. And this is the experience of our loved ones. They are happy and they're contented in finding the answers to the fundamental and perplexing questions of life in the presence of God. In the presence of God, they are worshiping in the passage of Scripture. John tells us even what they are saying to God in Revelation chapter 7, verse 12. While little is told us about the furniture, the furniture of heaven, we are content in the love of God and know that we shall be in his presence. When a saintly person, a saintly person passes and dies, Their devotedness is honored. And when a saintly person dying, his devout wife read to him a passage telling him about the golden streets of heaven. And he replied, I don't care for golden streets, for all that. Worship means to be in the arms of God. The arms of God. We enjoy God's presence and we forever praise God. If this is so, what about those Christians who do not regularly worship and would rather do anything but worship. If heaven means an eternity of worship, how can they be happy? Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. And would you join me in the offertory prayer? Put in your bulletins. Power. O Lord our God, teach us to give cheerfully of our substance for your cause and kingdom. Let your blessing be upon our offerings, and grant us the joy of those who give with their whole hearts. Through Jesus our Christ our Lord. Amen. Our offertory hymn is Jesus Calls, it's purple number 398. Prayers for Cheryl Tinton, Tilton, wife of Pastor Terry Tilton.
Now I pray that the God of peace and grace would go forth with you and fellowship of the Holy Spirit and you continue to grow in the, the stature of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let us close by singing number 393, Spirit of the Living God.